0: and welcome to the third episode of in gear with the shop i'm your host reagan dickinson and today we're talking to two restylers now one's a little bit country and the other is a little bit rock and roll but before we get into it with them just a reminder that you can find this podcast at theshopmag.com, spotify and now apple podcasts
1: under review but yeah
0: okay great go to your favorite platform subscribe and listen at your leisure you may remember our guest from some videos we did a while back called Shop versus Shop. This is the audio version of that. Now, representing country is Josh Polson, principal of Auto Editions in Columbus, Ohio. He's the chair-elect of the SEMA Pro Council, which spelled out as Professional Restylers Council, and a member of Restylers United, a group of the top restyling shops in the United States. Representing rock and roll is Jared Cohen, CEO of Auto Action Group in New York and New Jersey. He's a board member of the SEMA Pro Council, is also a member of Restylers United, and has been instrumental in the advancement of safety technology represented by the Vision Zero movement. Both are columnists for the shop magazine, and we're super pleased to have Donnie and Marie, um, Josh and Jared on board to get their different perspectives on how they approach business growth strategies for their respective shops. Uh, Josh, I just picked up uh, the August issue of The Shop Magazine and was looking through your article, Just Fix It. It's about adding repair services. I don't want to go yeah. on a rabbit trail here, but that seems like that kind of fits into that whole growth strategy thing. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about your perspective, Josh, on growth strategies? Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. So, you know, when it comes to growth strategy, what I like to do is kind of stay within my wheelhouse a little bit. So, the you know, our Fix It article, was basically talking about how we're already looking at electrical components, sunroofs, things like that. Why not fix the stuff that's gone bad for people that they need repaired? And a lot of it's because dealerships or mechanic shops are not experts in the accessories that we do on a day-to-day basis. So... You know, maybe it's like a power door lock actuator that has gone bad, or it's a factory sunroof that won't close. Mm-hmm. We're used to looking at those things, so it's easy for us to fix it. We just add that part of our arsenal to grow our sales. Mm-hmm. I am more of a conservative guy. Yeah. Um, You know, and I like to take some chances, but, you know, especially compared to Jared, you know, as a business owner, you want to grow your business somehow. Well, what products or services do you offer? Well, I'm the neighbor that, you know, I'm going to mow my neighbor's lawn about three or four inches over from my property line. Uh, Just, you know, three or four inches. And that's how you kind of got to view your competitors. Just do a little bit of what they're doing. And then after you got three or four inches mowed, you do that for a few weeks and then you mow another three or four inches and then you do that for a few weeks and then you mow another three or four inches before long by the end of the summer you you've now gained you know maybe a couple feet of property for sure uh and over time you know, you, you probably take over that whole property because now you mow it. But what some people do, I'm not going to say, but some people from New York, you know, they might take a zero turn lawnmower and just go flying into your yard, cutting your lawn. And, they're, and then you come screaming out, what, what are you doing? So my point in all this is, you know, your competitors are watching closely what you're doing. So if you're going to get into new products, new services, there's always there's going to be somebody you're already you got to compete against. Just do a little bit at a time that's already in your wheelhouse, and your employees will view it as seamlessly, uh, your salespeople will view it as seamlessly, your customers will view it as seamlessly, and so will your competitors. They won't even pick up on the fact that you're encroaching on their territory.
1: Jared, tell me
0: about your zero-turn mower.
1: I I agree with Josh, except for it depends on what we're talking about. If it's something that we're, we're new to market with and we have to incrementally grow into. Otherwise, we'll, we'll, we'll fall flat on our face. I agree with him. But if it's something that we're confident of that we can support and handle, I want to drop a bomb right in the middle of my competitor's lawn because I want him so frantic figuring out what the heck we're doing. As long as I have a core and an infrastructure behind me that I know my everyday business is secure, right? I have a gate up. I'll go and drop that bomb because now I got this, this, this competitor running in five different directions trying to figure out what we're doing. And that's just by being strategic and throwing a little bit of money at something and having a plan to say, we're going to disrupt this person's entire life. And let's see what happens. And they may dust us off and and stand firm, but then we back off. Okay, we took a shot. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm much different than Josh. I want to if I believe and I'm confident we could support something. I'm going
0: to, I'm going to blow your life up, blow
1: your life up. Yeah. So basically I'm going to blow your life up. I'm
2: going to put a a bomb. I'm going to, there's not even going to be lawn for either of us because we're going to live off dirt because of the nuke that just went off and you're going to love it. And we're all going to make a ton of money on it.
1: Or maybe they have a bomb shelter and they
0: don't. And how are y'all deciding to add a new service or a new product line to your mix? So, this is probably where Jared and I differ a little bit because, again, um mm-hmm.
2: I like to have all my all my things in order. So I need to have a good partner for a product. Which I'm sure he does too, but I need to have a good partner. I need to know my technicians can do it. I know, I need to know that my sales staff feels comfortable selling it. Mm-hmm. I need to know that there isn't going to be any long-term warranty issues to jeopardize any other business that I have. And then I also want to make it a little bit easy and it has to be profitable. You know, if is it just because it's adding a product, it's better be more profitable than something else that I'm offering right now. Otherwise, I need to focus on that. So every square foot of my shop needs to be producing a certain amount of profit. And so does this product fit into that? So when you add up all those equations, you have to check all those boxes for me to jump into it. And then at that point, doesn't mean that it's still going
1: to be successful. So it's a little bit less risk in that way. And, and And Josh is spot on. So what he's saying, I am the polar opposite. I look completely different. I look at is there an opportunity? What? Are, what is? Where's the demand? Is a customer looking for it? And then I give it a shot. I like to go out, create revenue, and then try to figure it out. Try to try to bring my team behind it, and and find the right partners. And you know, I'm I'm of the mindset that if we create revenue, revenue can fix uh, the process and 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 the systems, and and we'll figure out how to make it work. Right, think until you make it type of situation. So where Josh likes to take it from the ground up. I take it from up and find the opportunity and close on those opportunities and then come back to my team and say, guys, I have good news and bad news. The good news is we just created all this revenue. We're all going to make money. The bad news is none of us know anything about it. So let's figure it out.
0: <laughs> okay. uh, and, and,
1: it's, and it's two different approaches. And, and, and look, and sometimes it works. Wheel repair was just that. It didn't work for us because we couldn't figure it out. But there's other instances like some of this technology I talk about where we didn't have any business closing some of these uh, smart city launch opportunities or, um, uh, or large fleet rollouts on, on Kenworth trucks, but my guys figured it out and we had success with it. And uh, there's a, a, a level of excitement around some of these projects that we create that people want to be involved in these projects and learn and grow. So there's, it, it, there's no right or wrong way here uh, to, to do this. Uh, but they're two totally different styles. I got to tell you,
2: I will, I like to be all bought in from across the board, all all my managers, technicians, salespeople. So there may be a really good idea that could be really profitable, but it's going to take a lot of heavy lifting by my staff. And, you know, I do worry about that. You know, I want them to have a good, you know, working morale and, um, I don't want to put something or force them to do something that they're not seeing it as well. So I will take that into consideration. I'll still make the final decision whether we're going to get into it or not. But I also recognize that if my staff doesn't buy in, that's going to be a lot more pushing and pooling from me than it is um, from if everybody was all bought in.
0: And, Jared, do you find that – do you you have any issues with buy-in when you take your approach to it from your staff?
1: Um, Where Josh and I differ, Josh understands – this business better in a sense that he came from the install the installation perspective i never did right i don't know how to turn a screwdriver i'm much better with a pencil and at the end of the day i'll look at something and say i have to trust my guys will figure this out and i think empowering them gives them uh excitement to say all right we can't let jared down he just got this opportunity let's figure this out let's make this work we're the best at this we can make this happen and um, a lot of the work that we've done recently, I think, with um, some of the public uh, transit authorities in New York City and in Virginia uh, speak uh, to that and, and really empower my, my guys to say, you know, we are the best. We, you know, we can figure these things out. And I, and I love that about them. So, no, I haven't had any uh, negative feedback when I bring opportunities to the table. They laugh at me at first sometimes because they're so outlandish. And then I say, guys, no, this is serious. Let's figure this out. And they roll up their sleeves and and, and we get after it. So
0: one of the things that you mentioned, Jared, was that uh, you'd like to gauge demand first too, as well. Um, how do you gauge demand?
1: It, it depends on, uh, you know, what customer, so it's pretty simple at a car dealer level, right? If the car dealer is asking my salespeople for something over and over again, we'll take a hard look at it. We'll understand, uh, you know, like Josh said, what can you sell it for? What does it cost you? What's your barrier of entry cost? Uh, you know, do you have a lot of startup costs or not? And then we'll weigh that. You know, if the juice is worth the squeeze, we'll look at it and see if if it's worth the risk. With regards to some of this labor that we're doing uh, for some of these transit authorities and uh, fleet companies, there is a, a need for quality. Uh, Workmanship and and thorough um, documentation of your work, and we see that is being highly neglected uh, throughout our 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 industry. And uh, you know, we see there's a huge demand for for us in 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 that respect.
0: Do y'all take a different approach when it comes from a business growth standpoint? When it comes to working with dealerships as opposed to uh, more of a consumer facing retail. Yeah, I would say
2: you have to in our business because as a restyler where, you know, the majority of my business is wholesale, even though we do sell to retail public, a retail customer wants something crazy and extreme, you know, we'll usually shy away from it because either we'll underbid it or uh, we'll get into it and it won't be what we were thinking or the customer will have different expectations. They see something on the internet and all of a sudden that's what they want. Uh, Whereas dealers, you know, they're trying to sell cars. So they come to us with different solutions or different needs and we have to take a hard look. Why? Because if we don't, Maybe our competitor will. And then I don't want to risk losing the business I'm already getting from them. So that's when I talk about adding to your core. And don't get me wrong, you have to expand. You have to look for new stuff constantly. You know, Jared's right. You have to be trying new things. But, you know, where's that demand coming from? Is it coming from just a something you saw on the internet, somebody, a buddy of yours wants, or is it coming from your customers, your core customers that are saying, Hey, do you do this? If so, we need some. And I'll usually wait until I hear one or two or three of those before I'll take a hard look at it.
0: What are you seeing from a business growth standpoint um, from both sides? I mean, what are you looking at right now for the dealership side and for the retail side? Uh, For me on the
2: the dealership side, um, it's a lot of the core business, but you know getting the customers a lot of the blackout packages are really popular right now black wheels and it, it's easy for the dealership because when they order cars from the manufacturer, there's only so many trim levels and some of these one off trim levels, you know maybe like a midnight edition package that a deal, that a dealer can order, mm-hmm. they can only get one or two of them, but now they have a hundred of the same color car on the lot. And how do you make those look different? Well, that's where we come into play. So on the retail side, you know, it's um, going a little bit further and maybe on the lifted vehicles, uh, wheels, tires, where people can personalize doing more of a custom one-off versus on the dealerships, we try to look for packages that we can keep rote. rotating in and out.
0: Okay. And Jared, you know, I'd like your perspective on that as well, that, you know, how you look at a business growth potential or strategy for the dealership as opposed to a retail situation.
1: Sure. So I I, I agree with Josh on the dealer, on the dealer side, we do a lot of uh, packages where we differentiate the vehicle, right? And it's a lot of film. Uh, We're doing a lot of, you know, obviously leather and then, you know, painted wheels. Uh, We do quite a bit of that and we, we put emblems on the vehicle to, to really make it stand as a, one of it, one of, one of a kind type solution. Right. And that's mm-hmm. been, I think that's even more popular now with, with the lack of inventory, right. Dealers are looking for ways that to maximize the opportunity uh, for the metal that's on their lots today. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing a heavy demand Oof. for that. Uh, retail. We're a little bit different. We don't do a lot of those custom built, big wheels, entire lift packages. We, uh, We've taken a position to show the everyday customer that there is a, a, a home for them that wants something simple. It could be a, a, a sunroof, but it could be a backup camera. And we've been really focused on our, um, our marketing approaches, right? Our SEO marketing, there's pickup and delivery service. Uh, Josh and I have argued in the past, and uh, we believe our loaner car program is still very, very lucrative for us, that customers can find ways to put some of these solutions in their vehicles, their existing vehicles today, uh, with, with really no, uh, no burden off, off their back. You know, they don't have to leave their home if they choose not to. So mm-hmm. we're finding ways to continue that white glove service and, and that boutique uh, position for our retail business, rather than, uh, you know, heading down the road of these builds, which is very successful for Josh and a lot of other restylers around the country. It's just not something that we're really, uh, You know drilled you know zoned in on or or honed in on today
0: okay is it possible that some of your differences as far as uh, business growth strategies have to do with where you're located your market and how they consume sure i mean i think it's just natural
2: that um you know ohio is going to be a little bit more conservative than uh, new jersey or New York City, I mean, where it's a little bit more fast-paced. He can take more risks. Uh, there's more people around to take risks with. There's a little, maybe it's a little bit easier to find employees when you have a larger population. Um, so you don't have to have the, the buy-in. Jared can maybe rule with a little bit more of an iron fist than I can in some ways. So I think geography does play a little bit of it. Plus also some of the risks we take, you know, when you have a more conservative people, you, those risks don't usually pay off. Jared, do you rule
0: with an iron fist? Yes, Absolutely he does. Not.
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I ask nicely, but I ask enough times to, to, uh, till I get to what I wait want. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Look,
2: you I, said earlier, you said earlier, I quote, my guys don't want to disappoint me. That's not because I'm that's, ruling with an that iron fist.
1: you threaten them. It's because I'm, I'm, no, Joe does the threatening. Let's get this straight. I ask nicely, yeah. but no, I, I don't And think then it's, you threaten Joe. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, you know, and one thing I do want to talk about that we we could all agree on is it is super important, guys, to have somebody to bounce things off of, whether you have a business partner like I have, Joe, and he's always uh, tries to be a voice of reason. If I'm passionate about something, I'm relentless. And he just usually concedes and and, and we work on it. But (laughs) it's so important because there's been so many times that he's been right and, he said things and, and and I've calmed down about it and say, you know what, Joe, you're right, let's move this direction. And whether you have that partner or you find a consultant or you find somebody in the industry, look, Josh and I talk like that as well. Yeah. You gotta find other people that you could bounce yeah. things off of. Otherwise, I can't imagine making all these decisions on my own. Yeah. And it's it's imperative to find people you trust in this business and and, and have the ability to, to do that because it's healthy and it's and it's so necessary.
0: How does that work at your shop, Josh?
2: Well, when I when I want to take when I want to take a risk, and uh, my employees maybe don't or something like that, then what I'll do is I'll just call Jared and he'll talk me into it. So uh, you know <laughs> he'll he'll push me he'll push me right into the deep end, no problem. And you know sometimes, like he said, sometimes you need that. You know, when you are more conservative, you need to bounce ideas off people that are not conservative. And sometimes like in Jared's situation, when you're more of a risk taker, you need to bounce ideas off of more conservative people just to see if you just keep asking the people that think just like you, you, where, what does that help you? You never grow anything or you're only going to end up like them. So you can do run of your business, but know who you are as a person. You know, if you're not a risk taker, then you really shouldn't be going out taking a bunch of risks. You know, if you are a risk taker, then don't play it so safe. Know who you are. You can grow your business both ways, um, but don't try to be someone you're not, I guess is my point.
0: Right. And I think what you're also saying is that you not only bounce ideas off of what it, whether it's a business partner or your staff, but you go outside of that and you go into your network of other like companies like Jared and other restylers that you know uh, through uh, your 20 group, for example. Uh, is that accurate, Josh? Yeah. Shout out to uh, Restylers United. Um, You know,
2: we got top 15 shops around the country that we get together and we bounce ideas off each other and share issues, problems, things like that. So but all that comes from networking. You know, how do you get to know these people? Well, You got to network. You got to go to some events. You got to get to know who's in it and you got to be able to offer help. That's the biggest thing is, you know, I have gotten it back tenfold, I believe, because when people have come to me for help, I've tried to help them. And then when I go to ask for help, I have 14 other people that I can call to. But we've got that. We've got SEMA Pro, the professional restylers organization. That's a you know, couple hundred strong. So there's a lot of people in the industry. Don't
0: think that you're in a bubble, that you can only try to fix this, all this on your own. Hey Josh, can you give me an example of um maybe a business growth idea or a bi- or a, you know a product or a service that Jared helped you with? Let's see. So uh, I was trying to,
2: you know, take his advice on some of the fleet stuff that he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, cause we don't do a lot of fleet business. So right. I say, Hey Jared, you know, I'm thinking about, I've got, I've got 12 volt techs just like him. You know, I want to get involved with this fleet stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. You know, <laughs> if you just got to get with the city and you got to travel around and <laughs> drop a hundred grand on it and you'll be in the business in no time and money flows, man. I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, so how does it all work? And he's oh well, man, you just gotta you just gotta go for it, and just be the right
1: people, knowledge is power.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I guess if that's what he takes from it. I mean, it's working for him, so you know, it's. Uh, I guess it, it is working. That's a compliment. It is working, compliment. So. I'll take that as a compliment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so Jared gave you an idea that you that you ran with, right? Yeah. So I mean, he's. He, He's opened my
2: eyes up. I mean, I would have never thought about trying to branch out or have my guys go do labor only type things. You know, we're in the products business more than a services business. Um, so I've always focused on the products, but you know, I saw some of the success he was having and I'm like, okay, Mr. Josh, you know, let's mow a few inches over and let's, uh, let's see if we can just get some labor only, you know, he's been doing it and we've been doing it and we're, we have some other restylers that are getting into it. And that's why, um, you know, we're not afraid of doing those things. And especially if it's not even in our local area, you know, it can be done all around the country.
0: Right. And so I assume this is an idea that you took, but uh, you probably have a slightly different approach to it than Jared does.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I'm more into the, just the labor side, but you know, credit to him, he's going after, you know, heavy duty contracts and, you know, Uh, multi-million dollar contracts with large corporations and and cities and municipalities and things such as that. Whereas I'm, you know, I'm just looking for the low hanging fruit, you know, make my money, keep the core business rolling. Uh, So listen, it, it, he had, if he has that time to be able to do that, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Like he said, you know, he's got another partner that can help run the day-to-day operations where he can focus on that stuff. Right. Uh, For me, I may not have the time or energy or, you know, I have some other things I'm working on that I don't want to take away from. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, he, if, if he hits it, uh, if he hits the ball, it's going to be a
1: home run. Yeah. It's well said, 100%. I think Josh also, you know, he's spot on that, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have, you know, an infrastructure around me and a, a partner uh, that can handle the day to day and uh, a great Level of management, you know, team members that are willing to do pretty much anything. It frees uh, me, my time up certainly to run after these uh, these larger opportunities. Uh, that in hindsight, guys, you never know. I mean, like Josh said, if I connect, great, but uh, it's like anything else. Nothing's just handed to you. Everything is is hard work and and and, and hustle, and, and you're not guaranteed anything. So, at the end of the day, I think Josh is very smart for knowing his limitations and knowing where he can, you know, he could benefit from these opportunities and these opportunities will come. You know, uh, we talk all the time as a group that I, I may go after some of these larger, these deals, but I'm the first one to tell you, I won't be able to support them. Right. We go back to Jared going out and creating revenue and then figuring it out. I'm going to lean on people like Josh and some of these other Partners that I have around the country to say, okay, guys, remember that deal I was working on? Yeah, we got it, but now I need some help. And you know, my, that's really my hope is that we can leverage our numbers as a, as a whole, as a group, and be successful in the future. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I need you guys' help. I need your help. Uh, I need help. <laughs> going to say, "What are you drowning?" No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good.
0: Hey, hey, Jared, where do you make that decision to, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, you might have a new service or a new product and you pursue that or that program, where do you make that decision to go? Okay, this isn't working. Where, where's that kind of that pain point where you say we need to stop now?
1: So I, I think I have a, a certain level of ADHD and it's very hard for me to focus. And sometimes I may prematurely pull the, tr- pull, you know, pull the plug on something, yeah. uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's more of a sense for me. And, and look, I have numbers, I have analytics behind it. We have projections. We want to hit those projections yeah. and if we could come up with valid use cases as to why we're not hitting those numbers uh, and we are making adjustments to, to, we believe we will hit those numbers. And, you know, I don't just rely on, on my partner, Joe, but I have consultants also that I speak to uh, we'll, we'll, we'll allocate a certain amount of money towards it and say, look, let's read. Revisit it in 30 days and 60 days, um, but it, it, it's more of a gut feeling. If I don't feel it and and I start uh, not believing in it necessarily, uh, you know, ultimately, I'm driving that 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 train here. Uh, you know, we're creating apps right now, as an example. Uh, we've been working on them for about a year to allow us to streamline a lot of that back end uh, quality control process that we were talking about. And we've invested a a sizable amount of money in these. And really, they're just to make auto action stronger. Uh, And whether there's a use case for them to be used at the fleet operator side or for Josh to use them one day still remains to be seen. But, you know, at a certain point, I need to understand what that business is going to look like. Is it going to be a tool for auto action to better its stronghold in some of these projects? Or is it marketable and, and, and scalable? For for others, so you know, right now, at any given time, I got to tell you, I probably have uh, three to five opportunities that we're investing in and looking at. And I look at it like a hedge fund guys. I look at it like if I make a hundred thousand dollars, a lot of people put that hundred thousand dollars in the bank because they have a family, uh, and 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 they're comfortable with with that hundred thousand dollars. I look at it a little differently. I take that hundred thousand dollars and maybe twenty thousand, you know, twenty percent of it goes in a bank. And the other eighty percent goes into additional opportunities, uh, and and you need one to be successful, right? And you can't get mad when when four out of the five aren't successful and one's hanging on, because that you just need that one. I mean, that's 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 how these these large companies operate. You know, they make investments, and one covers everything. So if facebook marketplace we've done very well with uh, especially with items that you know josh knows as well that you may be sitting on you have leather kits and such we we'll, we'll, we sell quite a bit on facebook marketplace uh my 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 guy that handles that for us i always joke with him i say you know go sell this on the black market wherever the heck you sell this you know because uh he goes on facebook marketplace and, and he does very well uh with some of these products that um maybe have been sitting on on the shelf a little bit longer than we'd like.
0: Yeah. Do y'all have a a long-term or like a five-year growth plan for your shop? Absolutely. You know, I think that's tough. I I mean, to me, this might be another
2: way, you know, you can have a five-year growth plan, but to really map it out, um, I'm more of I'm more of a one year guy than a five year. You know, I have five year goals, but sure, I, I think the roadmap in our business can be so crazy um, yeah. to really map it out. Now we'll see what Mister Amazon says there about how you know he gets from here to you know year <laughs> five. But for me, I'm more <laughs> of a I'm more of a one year. Here's what I want to accomplish in the you know in the next six months in the next year. And sometimes that doesn't translate to happen, but I think it's kind of hard to look down five years from now and see, you know, what is going to be popular for sure, what trends are going to be around, what are vehicles going to be like, um, you know, you can take a shot in the dark, but you really
1: can't put a roadmap in place. So Josh is spot on with the core business, right? You got to look at it, uh, uh, within you know, a 12 or 18 month window, right? So you see what the manufacturers are, are producing. But when I said absolutely, when I talk about five year projects, I'm talking about some of those bigger projects we're working on here. Um, so we have projects that were slated that we we were awarded uh, labor and connection on modems and different things for for state agencies uh, that were awarded for 2021. Uh, implementation. So these projects sometimes are a year, year and a half out. So right now we're working on certain RFPs that um, are pushing into 2022 and they could be uh, 24. Some I have five-year maintenance contracts on. So some of this work that we're seeing on the public sector, it takes time to procure. Uh, A lot of the projects we're involved with now took a year and a half minimum of work to get to where we are. So they're not easy get to but certainly if you want to think about getting involved in some of this work you want to start thinking now building relationships because these things may not come to fruition for three years and and that's the reality uh, of these projects yeah well you know
0: what the music means our time is up but i really appreciate having y'all today a lot of good stuff great input great perspective we'd love to have you again
1: thank you uh thanks for the time Appreciate
0: it. See ya. It's always a blast talking to Josh and Jared. And I hope y'all enjoyed it as much as I did. And I'm looking forward to the next one with them. As always, go check the website at theshopmag.com where you can access this podcast plus all kinds of news and information specially designed for you, the specialty aftermarket shop. You can also subscribe to the monthly magazine and the daily e-newsletter while you're there. I encourage you to do so because I know you'll love them. Until next time, adios amigos.